Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio, or should I say Truth Jihad Audio Visual. Actually, part of the annual 9 11 physics debate, sponsored by Aneta.org. It's been, I think, the ninth annual debate right now. And we search high and low for physicists to try to defend the official story of 9-11, and in particular what happened to the World Trade Center, and uh, to question that story. And we always have a harder time finding anyone to defend the official story than to question it. So we came up empty-handed this time in terms of defenders, but we do have Richard Gage, AIA, to uh, tell us what's wrong with the official story. So uh, Rick Shattuck of Aneta, tell us more about this debate. Okay. All right. As you mentioned, we've been doing this since uh, 2014. Some of the uh, illustrious physicists that we have had in the past have been are visible on our website, aneta.org. A couple of years ago, we had Dr. Dennis Rancour, who is a PhD in physics with a Hirsch index 41, which is qu- quite high, against Dr. Josh Middledorf, PhD in astrophysics from the University of Pennsylvania Ivy League School. We've had uh, Dr. Crockett Graby of Caltech, of science professor David Chandler. Uh, before that, we had uh, Dr. Stephen Jones. So these are visible as well as all of the other debates that we have had on our website, aneta.org. We gave it a college try to try to get a PhD in physics by calling uh, various uh, universities. We called uh, over 30 different universities. Here's some of the records, which we have on, online of who, who we tried to call. Uh, professors from Berkeley, Brown, Harvard, Yale, Columbia. And we got some well wishes, but nobody seems to want you know, to actually do a debate. You know, I asked uh, my former college professor at Colgate University and MIU and my physics teacher from high school. We've also opened up the debate to civil engineers. We don't necessarily require a PhD in physics to participate in the debate, but it is quite remarkable that with all the assumptions that people have, that the experts have already looked into 9-11, no experts in physics or civil engineers have wanted to come forward to debate on behalf of the official story. You know, even for an honorarium, which we're offering, totaling $119, to be a 0.000911 Bitcoin plus a 9-11 hex coin and an up-and-coming coin and secure X tokens. So what uh, we could do is I could read some points from the BBC's arguments and have uh, Richard respond. For example, they're saying that the official story is true because there were uncontrolled fires at the World Trade Center tower. What do you say to that, Richard Gage, that because there's there's so many uncontrolled fires that that caused Building 7 and the Twin Towers to come down? Well, we're, we're going to have the opportunity, Rick, to get into that. In fact, I'm going to show that no fire has ever brought down a steel frame fireproofed skyscraper before 9-11 ever. So uh, and then on 9-11, we have not two, but three uh, protected steel skyscrapers <laughs> collapsing 
at or near freefall on 9-11. So this is one of the many questions that we would be raising with whoever we are debating here, a physicist, a fire protection engineer, a structural engineer, an architect, anybody we can get to come to the table and go point counterpoint with us as we'll be doing today. All right. Well, another uh, point that I may raise is that in the BBC article, uh, they mentioned that there was another building in Tehran that came down. It was built in 1963, 10 years before World Trade Center. But uh, if I zoom ahead here, you know, what, what would you say about that? Well, I'm speaking over. Okay, you stopped it. Yeah, the the Tehran Tehran building was had all the hallmarks uh, of a classic, not classic, but a controlled demolition using thermite. It came down a nearly free fall. Uh, it had evidence of extreme temperatures uh, exceeding any normal office fire. And you can see molten metal pouring out of the crab claw excavators that are, that are pulling it apart. And they had quite a controversy in their country about this, but it is more centrally controlled of the media and, and, and everything else in, in Iran. So th- that, uh, that story was quashed. That building was owned by the uh, Iranian, uh, Iranian Republic Guard, so which makes it even more interesting as a research uh, case study. Hmm. Well, I didn't know that. All right. Uh, I, I have friends in Iran who uh, are highly suspicious about that and, and strongly suspect it was a demolition. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. Well, there was a, a BBC broadcast here. Now, BBC is, in a way, they're kind of defending themselves because they made a broadcast of an announcer announcing that the 40-story Solomon Brothers building, which is Building 7, came down... <laughs> And there it is behind her. Well, let's get into it. Uh, let's tell people what Building 7 is. I'll share my screen and we'll get started here. Okay. Um, makes sense. Very good. So, Okay, well, uh, let, let's you turn on the sharing to your desktop. Yeah, it's, it's really quite uh, an interesting case study, Building 7, because no plane hit this building. And what we're going to want to debate with the physicists when they do arrive is how can it fall in the manner that it did? Well, what was Building 7? A 47-story a skyscraper that on the afternoon of 9-11, after witnesses heard explosions, which we're going to be talking about, it collapses in the manner that we will see. And so uh, it was half the height of the Twin Towers, uh, the tallest building in most of our states. I mean, this is, this is a massive massive uh, building. And so, uh, you know, what, what happens? Why is this such a controversy? Well, it's only a controversy in those circles who are aware of it. The mainstream media only uh, covered this story the day of and, and, and maybe a couple of times after. Yet this is the third worst structural failure 
in modern history. And yet most architects and engineers know nothing about it. I didn't, as, as a member of 90,000 members of the American Institute of Architects, didn't receive one bulletin on the collapse of this building. Why? This, is an, this should be the most studied building failure in history. No plane hit this building. It's part of the World Trade Center. And uh, it's standing fine, and, uh, as you can see here, and even after the Twin Towers came down. Uh, minor damage. Uh, a few small f- fires were, were set, but here it is standing just fine. And then this happens. The East Penthouse falls first. Six seconds later, the entire building does this. Now, that's extraordinary by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, it's amazing, extraordinary incredible. without using your imagination, just by looking at the other buildings that have done that. Dan and Rather so, huh? Amazing. Dan Rather said, amazing, incredible. Yeah, well, listen to Dan himself. In fact, um, these are the fires that are said to have brought this building down in that fashion. So as you can see, they're few, they're small, and they're scattered uh, throughout the building. Uh, These are not severe fires. These are the worst fires that we have photographic or video evidence of. And uh, the interesting thing is that these fires are blamed by NIST the National Institute of Standards and Technology, who was tasked by Congress to explain these collapses to the American people. And so let's see what they say. Our study has identified thermal expansion as a new phenomenon that can cause the collapse of a structure. For the first time, we have shown that fire can induce a progressive collapse. Okay, that's the official story. This came out seven years later, Rick. And Kevin, seven years later, they were fumbling this football. They said, oh, we couldn't get a handle on building seven. You know, they were hoping everybody would forget about it, Uh, (laughs) really, uh, because uh, uh, then they come up with this incredible theory, which we're going to be talking to the physicists uh, about once they show up. Go ahead. You know, in the previous debates, we had a requirement of at least, you know, 9.11 Hirsch index, which is a measure of how many articles a physicist has published and has been referenced to. You can go to Google Scholar and enter Sivaraj Shayam Sunder and see his Hirsch index of only six, below our previous minimum of H equals 9.11. Dear David Griscom has Hirsch index of like 52 and Dr. Dennis Rancourt 41. Uh, Shayam Sunder has really not published that much. Uh, to be head of NIST. But here's what NIST says. Um, the, 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 the fires, which they claim were raging in this building, uh, which are shown to be, by the way, uh, completely out over an hour and a half before the building collapses at 520 in the afternoon. Uh, and, and, but they say those fires were raging, causing long span beams. These ones uh, on the, uh, on the upper uh, side here, 50 feet long to expand, pushing this girder off of its seat on this column 79 uh, on, uh, on this and, and then causing floor 13 to fall on 12, 12 and 11 and so on for nine floors. Now, 
in our extended presentations available on uh, YouTube for free called uh, the webinars called 9-11 and Architect's Guide. Uh, we go into detail about how not one of the 10 steps in NIST's theory here uh, could possibly be true. So point by point, we want to debate uh, with physicists or structural engineers or fire protection engineers how any of this could be true. First of all, the building is fireproofed. So it, it, the, the, the steel beams can't get to a temperature which would cause them to expand or sag. So that's just just uh, uh, extremely unlikely, as fire tests have shown. Worst case fire tests, uh, for instance, in the UK, the Cardington Steel in Cardington, UK, uh, they, they took a steel frame building and built it eight stories. Some of it's fireproof, some of it's not. None of it failed. Some of it uh, uh, sagged a little bit. Those were the unfireproofed. Uh, beams and, and the connections were very strong and yet here is where the connections are said to have failed and in fact uh, NIST uh, does their computer model here uh, on the right uh, comparing it they say it matches the building on the left uh, the, the video of the building's collapse on the left very very much so but it doesn't at all as you can see uh, or you can calculate they're failing 400 structural steel connections every second in their computer model to get it to begin to collapse somewhat like the building on the left. And even then it doesn't because it begins to tip over, not go straight down. And they stop it two seconds into its collapse. Hmm. That means that uh, they're hiding something. What? It, it would have fallen over looking nothing like the, hmm. the vi actual video of the collapse. So we've got some real questions that we ask um, at Richard Gage 9-11 Dot org where all this evidence is displayed for everybody to to review uh, we have um, uh, submitted FOIA requests and uh, we have uh, gotten responses back from uh, NIST saying well we can't give you that computer data because it might jeopardize public safety that was their only out so uh, they wait a minute doesn't it jeopardize public safety to withhold this information from the architects and engineers who are tasked with ensuring the public safety? So we have lots of questions for others who we might debate here uh, to answer, such as why hasn't uh, any other steel frame high rise collapse out of the dozens and dozens and dozens of steel frame high rises? Uh, why do we not have one that has collapsed? Uh, the, the fire protection, uh, particularly in these high rises, uh, keeps them uh, safe. Uh, so what is the problem? Well, let's look at some bu buildings, tall buildings that have collapsed. You know, do they resemble the, the pile, of, the house of cards that building seven turned itself into? No, there's damage at the bottom, but the building is seen. It's intact. The columns and beams aren't severed one from another. Uh, the concrete is not pulverized to a fine powder. What if we blow up buildings? What happens then? Well, we have thick, billowing, enormous pyroclastic-like clouds that are expanding rapidly in cauliflower-shaped forms due to the incredible heat from the hot gases from the ignition of these explosives. So we have witnesses that hear sounds of explosions. They see flashes of light. Guess what? If you have these features, you know you have explosions. This is logic. Logic is what we'll use in these debates with the physicists, the structural engineers, 
mm-hmm. the fire protection engineers, those who meet the Hirsch index uh, or not anybody. Uh, we will, we will debate uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, about these subjects. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, high school physics. It is. All I need. And, and, and you can see a normal controlled demolition. We have thousands across the country. Well, hundreds anyway. And, there's only a handful of companies that can actually do this, bring a building straight down uniformly, symmetrically into its own footprint. And, and, and fire doesn't do this. So this is what we'll be debating about. Um, uh, what they do is place shaped cutter charges against the columns and beams at key locations in the building and then set them off synchronistically timed floor by floor. So this is what you get. And it has a set of features associated with it. What are they? Well, there's a sudden onset of destruction, uh, usually at the base of the structure, uh, but not always. Um, sometimes it's, it's higher up. You mentioned Dan Rather, Rick. Uh, here is Dan uh, narrating for us his intuition of what's going on there. And what you're seeing are high shots. Now, here we're going to show you a videotape of the collapse itself. Describe that. Now we go to videotape the collapse of this building. It's amazing. Amazing, incredible, pick your word. For the third time today, it's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when a building was deliberately destroyed, destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. So Dan never repeated that. Uh, and uh, in fact, we've never seen Building 7 coming down. It has been swept under the rug, indicating what? An incredible uh, uh, censorship on the part of all of the mainstream media. What does that imply? You know, that's a little big for us to bite off in this debate. Uh, but we're beginning to do that at Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed, our new podcast uh, with guests uh, that go beyond just the destruction of the World Trade Center, technical evidence and scientific forensic evidence, and get into uh, the deeper implications of the controlled demolition of this building and the Twin Towers, which we're going to get into so does it go straight down yeah most controlled demolitions go straight down uh, and building seven uh does is no exception let's look from west street now we'll be talking to the physicists about how every column in the building must have been removed simultaneously in order for this building to fall straight down look at the penthouse the, this comp- the penthouse falls entirely, the, the west penthouse the, and the screen wall. This is six seconds after the east penthouse has fallen. Uh, they're directly over the core structure of the building. What does that mean? The core structure of the building must have been taken out all at once. And this is about this the is size com- of a football field, isn't it? The building is the size of a football field, 100 yards across. Each floor is an acre hmm. in size. and the important point here is that NIST claims that <clears throat> the, dis- the instability spread from the east penthouse, which has already fallen down on the left here, over to the right. Mm-hmm. So in, in about 10 seconds, so which is ludicrous by itself. But this shows that, no, the core structure failed all at once. How does that happen by a few small scattered fires that aren't even in the core? There's nothing to burn in the core. Mm-hmm. It's all gypsum board and uh, non-combustible uh, material. 
So, and, and does it fall symmetrically? Yeah, the center of the pile is in the center of the building's footprint. How does that happen? The physicists have to respond to this question. They have to respond to this question. How does building seven on the left, a known controlled demolition series of them on the right, how do they look so exactly similar? Is there any comparison? Yeah. Is there enough comparison to warrant a new investigation into the possible use of explosives, explosives, especially since it looks exactly like a controlled demolition? Uh, especially since fire, the official cause of this building's collapse, has never brought down a steel frame fire-protected building in history, ever. Uh, and these fires, <laughs> I mean, come on. What's really going on here? They're going to have to level with us on the program and essentially admit that they've been wrong, which is why they're not showing up to the debate, Rick. Uh, so do we have a pattern removal of column supports? That's what you have to do for a, symmet- for a symmetrical collapse. You have to remove 80 columns virtually all at once, starting with the core a fraction of a second later, the perimeter. So are these fires capable of doing that? 3,500 architects and engineers signed on to the petition over at AE 911 Truth, which I founded 15 years ago <clears throat> and which I'm independent from uh, today. they say no. They say, look at how fast this building's coming down. David Chandler uh, does a report on this, um, an analysis of the fall of this building. He was one of the... Anybody can see the building. He he also participated in the the debate? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And this is what he... uh, This is his most essential argument right here in a nutshell. Just by watching it... Oops. Anybody can see that Building 7 fell close to freefall. To measure it, I use software to track the corner of the building and compute a graph of downward velocity as a function of time. The graph had a long, straight section indicating constant acceleration. Measuring the slope, I found the acceleration to be within 1% of the acceleration of gravity for the first 2.5 seconds. In other words, the building fell through its own structure with zero resistance. What does that mean? This building had 40,000 tons of structural steel in its structural system, and that is intended to keep it from going anywhere. NIST is telling us that the building below it ceased to exist uh, for the first few seconds of the collapse of the building. Well, things in physics just don't cease to exist and cease to resist the forces that are on them. The building didn't disappear so the building can fall for 100 feet at free fall speed. That's impossible. That's a a violation of of the fundamental law of physics that says that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Steel beams uh, have resistance. Even after they bend, they have a minimum of uh, 25% of their original capacity. So that means that there's no way that a building could fall at free fall unless all those columns were not bending, but removed entirely. Now, NIST was forced into a, a, a corner uh, by members of AE 911 Truth, David Chandler, Stephen Jones. And what did, they, what did they force them into? Admitting that it did, in fact, come down by, at free fall uh, after having denied for years that it 
came down at free fall because they said, well, that would mean there'd be no structure <laughs> underneath. Well, exactly. Uh, where did the structure go? You admit it here, but you don't admit the implications of that free fall, which are basic uh, physics, which we'll be debating uh, anybody who dares to show up in this, in this video, I mean, in this debate. Do we have the total dismemberment of the steel structure? Yeah, it's, it's 47 stories and it compresses to six stories like a house of cards. How does that happen? Physicists, structural engineers have to explain this. Do we have limited damage to adjacent structures? That's one of the goals of controlled demolition. Yeah, there's some damage uh, to a, a few neighboring buildings, but the center of the pile is in the center of the footprint. Do we have sounds of explosions heard by witnesses? Well, let's go back to NIST, the official story, and see what they say. We did not find any evidence that explosives were used in the collapse of Building 7. We ran down detailed computer simulations of blast scenarios this size blast would have produced an incredibly loud sound that was not recorded on videos of the collapse, nor reported by witnesses. No, let's take a look at a few of them. We, we were watching the building actually because it was on fire. The, uh, the bottom floors of the building were on fire, and uh, you know we heard this this sound that sounded like a clap of thunder. Turned around, we were shocked to see that the building was. Uh, uh, well, it looked like there was um, a shock wave uh, ripping through the building, and the windows all uh, busted out. And you know, it was horrifying. Then, uh, you know, about a second later, the bottom floor caves out, and uh, the building followed after that. And um, we saw the building crash down all the way to the ground. The building crashed down all the way to the ground. How about this gentleman, uh, Kevin McPadden, former Air Force medic, who was at the site, uh, and, uh, and and this is his experience. And then it was like another two, three seconds, you heard explosions, like boom, it's like a distinct sound. It's not like when in compression, like boom, 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 like floors that were dropping and collapsing. This was boom, and like you felt a rumble in the ground, like almost like you wanted to grab onto something. That, to me, I knew that was an explosion. There was no doubt in my mind. And this gentleman. I'm going to call in Bill Rosati. He was here when it all happened. He saw it for himself. Bill, if you can just tell us what uh, you saw, what you heard. Uh, I was standing like two blocks away, and all of a sudden I just seen a big flash, and then I seen the building coming down, and I just seen people just running everywhere, chaotic-like. And this gentleman, who Barry Jennings, who, along with Mayor Giuliani's attorney, Michael Hess, was uh, caught in the building experiencing this. because, And this is before. Before, after the planes hit the towers, but before the towers came down, uh, this is their experience. When we got to the eighth floor, I started walking to one side of the building. That side of the building was gone. The first explosion I heard when I was on the stairwell landing, when we made it down to the sixth floor. Then we made it back to the eighth floor. I heard some more explosions. You know, also the sound? Like a boom. Like, like an explosion. More than one? Yes. We started walking down the stairs. We made it to the eighth floor. Big explosion. Blew us back into the eighth floor. When we get outside, police officer comes to me and says, you have to run. We have more information of bombs, so you have to run. And they have information of bombs. Bombs like this heard uh, in the late morning on 9-11 in the vicinity of Building 7. Yeah, here's one of the guys. He can tell you I'm okay, all right? Here, hold on. You want to call, oh. call your mother or something? 
My goodness. And how about extreme heat? Because um, we have evidence uh, of heat all over the place. Uh, like I uh, saw melting of girders at the World Trade Center, says Abul Hazan Astani Azel. Well, that only happens with 2,000 degrees. So um, with this is all direct evidence of destruction with explosives, not evidence of destruction uh, by fire. Uh, fire caused less robust buildings to collapse asymmetrically with gradual deformations following the path of least resistance. So what do the experts say about this? Well, here's Danny Joenko, a former, uh, well, he, he, was, he was killed, actually, um, uh, in, 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 a, in a very suspicious and tragic car accident. But this is his experience. Danny Joenko is the expert on this in Europe. What did he say? This is controlled demolition. Zeker weten. Zeker weten. There is nasprongen. Is in opdracht gebeurd. Het heeft een team gedaan van experts. Yeah. How about the other engineers signed on to the petition over at AE 911 Truth? 100 structural engineers demanding a new investigation like Kamal obeyed. A localized failure in a steel frame building like World Trade Center 7 cannot cause a catastrophic collapse like a house of cards without a simultaneous and patterned loss of several of its columns at key locations within the building. This is what the experts are saying, including one of the top forensic structural engineers in the country, Professor Leroy Halsey at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks, who conducted a three-year, $400,000 study to determine what brought this building down, or at least to determine was NIST right that this building came down by office fires. So an extensive study in his findings, fire did not cause the collapse of Building 7. Temperature was not high enough to cause weakening of the steel framing. Thermal expansion did not result in a loss of support for the beams and girders. The, it, the building did not experience a progressive collapse, as claimed by NIST and others, but a global collapse caused by the near simultaneous failure of its columns. All of them. What causes that? His results are... Oops. Let's try that again. His results are on the left. Uh, uh, the, the actual building video of the building's collapse is in the middle, mm -hmm. and the U.S. government's uh, collapse or uh, effort at computer modeling is shown on the right. Which one resembles the, the actual building? I mean, where, where is the wool being pulled over our eyes? How do, does somebody uh, coming into this debate on Einstein's birthday, um, a deal with uh, th this kind of sloppy work on the part of NIST. How do they defend it? Doesn't take do an Einstein's either. There's something suspicious about that. <laughs> That's my sneaking suspicion. It's it's very suspicious. Uh, do we have foreknowledge of the building's collapse? Because if it were a controlled demolition, uh, there would be people aware of it in advance. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. Here's one engineer uh, being approached for an analysis of the building because it had a few small fires in it. And she says, well, uh, if we allowed it to burn, could we anticipate a collapse? And, and how soon, says Chief Hayden. And he says, uh, well, he was pretty much right on the money. In its current state, the engineer said, you have about five hours. <laughs> so here's some engineer predicting the collapse of a building in five hours, which has never happened before in history. 
It's incredible. It could only be done with foreknowledge, this prediction, of course. Do we get to know the name of the engineer? No, uh, they will not release the name of that engineer. How about these mysterious construction workers walking away from Building 7, hearing an explosion over their shoulder, looking back at the building, then looking straight into the CNN camera and saying this. Keep your eye on that building. It's coming down. Building is about to blow up. Moving back. All right, guys. We are walking back. It's a building about to blow up. All flame. Debris coming down. Building is about to blow up. Flame and debris coming down. How do they know the building is about to blow up? That's incredible. Uh, buildings uh, that were on fire have uh, never brought down a steel frame. Uh, skyscraper much blown much less blown them up that is this is uh very very unusual how about kevin mcpadden whom we heard from before talking about the explosions but before that he said this now he was held back about six blocks away from building seven with others behind the yellow tape listening to a radio held in the hands of a red cross worker at the last few seconds, he took his hand off, and you heard three, two, one. And then the explosions that he described oh. earlier. Countdown. Uh, what's really going on here? Go ahead. Well, he even heard the countdown. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do fires bring buildings down to countdowns? Uh, what's the truth? And you mentioned uh, the BBC. Well, here is, is the story about this. It's extraordinary. Now, more on the latest building collapse in New York. You might have heard a few moments ago, I was talking about the Salomon Brothers building collapsing. And indeed it has. Apparently that's only a few hundred yards away from where the World Trade Center towers were. And it seems that this was not a result of a new attack. It was because the uh, building had been weakened uh, during uh, this morning's attacks. We'll probably find out more now about that from our correspondent, Jane Stanley. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? Well, only really what you already know. Details are very, very... Sketchy indeed. I mean, they announced this 23 minutes before it collapses. Uh, they apologize for this grievous error, citing the confusing events of the day. <laughs> How is that defensible in this debate on Einstein's birthday? We would love to find out. We just need somebody to show up, right? Um, and so we have all the features uh, of of uh, controlled demolition, a characteristic and some very uncharacteristic features as we'll continue to get into. This is direct evidence of destruction with incendiaries, as it turns out, and not destruction uh, evidence of destruction from fires. So with additional circumstantial corroborative testimony, which we've only highlighted uh, in this debate today, uh, what we have is proof of controlled demolition, even with just those highlights. So we take that proof and we ask ourselves, gosh, if Building 7 was a controlled demolition, and by now, by the way, 99% of people who see this information for the first time to 100% usually, uh, by a show of hands in 700 presentations I've done all around the country. Uh, I asked how many uh, need, think this needs a, a real investigation. All the hands go up typically. Mm -hmm. So we move into the, the Twin Towers at that point. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, so our uh, debate participant, Dr. Dennis Rancourt, 
in 2020. Uh, Dr. Barrett, did you say he seemed to agree that Building 7 was a controlled demolition, but he had doubts about uh, World Trade Center Tower 1 and 2? Yes, that's that's been his position for uh, 10 years or so now. And he did debate uh, Niels Herrett on my radio show, and then he came back and uh, also participated in the physics debate. But so go ahead, Richard, and help help us uh, convince Denis Rancourt that indeed the Twin Towers were also demolished, uh, just like Building 7 was. Well, let me say in advance that um, the 3,500 architects and engineers that I had represented for, th- for 15 years um, uh, are uh, all in sync about uh, being the, the twin towers evidence being as uh, convincing as the evidence for building seven. And so if um, uh, the gentleman would take a look at this evidence, which we're only going to have time to highlight, but if he watches free on YouTube, the webinar nine 11 and architects guide part two and part three, part two is the explosive evidence, which we're going to highlight right now. And part Three is the detailed examination of the extreme heat, which we're going to highlight in a moment. But first, let's find out what the official narrative here is so we can all kind of start out on the same page. On September 11th, we learned that four passenger planes were hijacked and taken radically off course. Within an hour, two of the planes had flown into the enormous steel towers of the World Trade Center, creating fires and eventually toppling them. Dazed by the news, the American public soon believed the fires in the towers had burned so hot they caused the steel frames of the buildings to give way. A myth developed, fed by official sources through the media to a bewildered audience. Elements of the myth. The impact of the airplanes, gallons of burning jet fuel, steel melting, the buildings failing and suddenly imploding. In a mere 10 seconds, 110 stories hurtled earthward, pulverizing into dust. Right from the start, on the street itself, the official story was born. Come out of nowhere and just scream right into the side of the twin tower exploding through the other side and then i witnessed both towers collapse one first and then the second mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense the myth bled into the fema report and was echoed by the experts it was the combination of the impact load doing great damage to the building followed by the fire that caused collapse well there's the official story in a nutshell and, and, and this is what uh, most architects and engineers have swallowed, hook, line, and sinker. When you look at it a little more, you find out some interesting things. But first, let's acknowledge that the North Tower was hit by a plane at 8.46 a.m. It collapses over an hour and a half later. A lot of people associate the impact of the planes in that large explosion with the downing of the building. No, even NIST acknowledges that those towers that, that jet fuel, uh, most of it burned up outside the towers. 
90% of it. Uh, and the rest of it uh, was consumed within 10 minutes. So we have normal office fires for over an hour uh, in this case uh, of, of the North Tower. In the South Tower, it was hit 30 stories down versus 15 stories down in the North Tower. And uh, it collapses an hour later. Same story, though. Uh, most of the jet fuel burned up early on. Uh, so it merely started the fires. So let's get the extremely hot jet fuel, which is essentially kerosene, as we'll see. Um, doesn't burn any hotter than desks or chairs. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, 600 degrees Fahrenheit is the maximum burning temperature. But let's look at the um, features of controlled demolition. It, is there a sudden onset of destruction here? Well, we can look at the North Tower. It's standing still, and then all of a sudden, it's in sudden, uniform, downward motion. No pause, no jolt, no hesitation as it impacts the intact, cold, hard structure below. How about the South Tower? Same story. It's at rest, and then suddenly it's in uniform, downward motion. The physicists who come here to debate, or structural engineers, uh, must be able to answer this question, which gets even deeper as we proceed here, because we, in fact, have patterns of explosions and flashes of light heard and seen by witnesses. This is the second feature of a controlled demolition. Uh, Thomas von Essen uh, preserved these accounts orally from the 500 first responders in October after 9-11. And finally, in October, in August of 2005, the court ordered them to release it, and the New York Times published them. What do they say? Well, now 156 firefighters, uh, as researched by Professor Graham McQueen in uh, Toronto, uh, has pointed out that here's what they say. We felt the ground shake. You could see the towers sway, and then it just came down. Now, again and again in these witnesses, you're going to hear a very particular order of events, seeing, hearing, feeling explosions, and then the building coming down. Not the building coming down, causing these events. All of a sudden, the ground just started shaking. I felt like a train running under my feet. The next thing we know, we look up and the tower is collapsing. Shook my bones. Shortly before the first tower came down, I remember feeling the ground shaking. I heard a terrible noise and then debris just started flying everywhere. An explosion appeared at the first, at the top. Simultaneously, on all four sides, materials shot out horizontally. And then there seemed to be a momentary delay before you could see the beginning of the collapse. There was an explosion in the South Tower, one floor under another. When it hit about the fifth floor, I figured it was a bomb because it looked like a synchronized, deliberate kind of thing. I saw a flash, flash, flash at the lower level of the building. You know, like when they demolish a building, seemed like on television, when they blow up these buildings, seemed like it was going all the way around like a belt. All these explosions. Let's see what they're talking about. On the right, the North Tower. On the left, a known controlled demolition. Is there any similarity? Is there enough similarity to warrant an investigation into the possible use of explosives, especially since it looks exactly like a controlled demolition, especially since fire, the official cause of this building's collapse, has never 
brought down a steel frame high rise in history, a steel frame fire protected high rise. No, uh, sh- shouldn't have, shouldn't it have been the first hypothesis that was examined by NIST, not relegated to years later, as we'll see. Speaking of quotes, um, you know, Donald Trump also made a, made comments on the day of the collapse of the World Trade Center Tower that it looks like he hypothesized that there may have been some bombs involved in the collapse of the World Trade Center Towers. He said that the towers were unbelievably strong. Yeah, we were waiting for uh, some uh, uh, further uh, action on his part when he got into the presidency, but of course, nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. well. Uh, he needs to see these quotes, and he's been given these quotes, by the way, by many, many times, particularly in a dossier of members of the 9-11 Truth Movement, uh, which uh, are included in the book, whose name I can't remember. Do you guys have that handy? Hmm. By uh, Robert David great. Steele. Okay. Plus, when he was on the campaign trail in Iowa, I handed him a, a flyer for him to autograph that had a picture of Larry Silverstein, and uh, huh. who had the towers uh, fully insured. He was the landlord of the World Trade Center towers only months uh, before 9-11. So um, he signed it, and I said, you got to check him out. Check out Larry Silverstein. He had those, and uh, <laughs> Donald Trump gave me kind of a thumbs up. It's but, probably one of his key supporters uh, under uh, Aiden uh, Adelson. Uh, what's his full name? Sheldon Adelson. Yeah. Sheldon Adelson. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you ever see professional demolition where they set charges on certain floors? One of these uh, fire protect per, fire. This is a paramedic. Then you hear a pop, pop, pop. When I heard that friggin' noise, that's when. I saw the building coming down somewhere around the middle of the world trade center. There was this orange and red flash coming out initially just one flash. Then this flash just kept popping all the way around a building and that building, it started to explode says captain Karen DeShore of FDNY saw a number of brief light sources being emitted from inside the building between floors 10 and 15. He saw about six of these brief flashes accompanied by a crackling sound before the tower collapsed. I saw low-level flashes. I saw flash, 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 and then it looked like the building came down. The building was blowing out on all four sides. We actually heard the pops. You know you heard the pops of the building. With each popping sound, initially an orange, and then a red flash came out of the building. Then it would just go all the way around the building on both sides. Let's look at the South Tower on the right compared to a known controlled demolition on the left. Is there any similarity? Enough similarity to warrant an investigation into the possible use of explosives, especially since the South Tower also looks like a controlled demolition. I thought the terrorists planted explosives somewhere in the building. That's how loud it was, a crackling explosive. Another loud boom at the upper floors. And then there's a series of smaller explosions, which appeared to go completely around the building at the upper floors. And another loud earth shattering blast which, with a large fireball, which blew out more debris. 
the lower level of the building, you know, like when they demolish a building, that's what I thought I saw. Do you see any flashes? I said, yes. Well, I thought it was just me. He said, no, I saw them too. Everybody, I think at that point, still thought these things were blown up. So I was fully expecting anything else to blow up. You were there when the planes hit? No, I was there when the building exploded. You mean when it fell down, don't you? (laughs) No, when it exploded. As we were getting our gear on and making our way to the stairway, there was a uh, heavy-duty explosion. The whole building just collapsed on us inside the lobby. Was that a secondary explosion? Yes, it was. That was the planet. Yeah, definitely secondary explosion. I heard a second explosion and another rumble. An hour later than that, we had that big explosion from much, much lower. It just went ba-boom, like a bomb went off. And another explosion came right from it, just everyone flying. There were numerous secondary explosions taking place in that building. It was con- there were continuous explosions. No, the first the first explosion, then there was a second explosion in the same building. There okay. were two explosions. Okay. There. Federal agencies that were down there do believe that there was some sort of explosive device somewhere else besides the planes hitting. Uh, there was a- another explosion that took place uh, in one of the towers here. Uh, so obviously, he, according to his theory, he thinks that there were actually devices that were planted in the building. There was a secondary explosion, probably a device either planted before or on the aircraft that did not explode until an hour later. Then there was those secondary explosions and then the subsequent collapses. That the FBI most likely thinks that there was a car or truck packed with explosives underneath the buildings, which also exploded at the same time and brought both of them down. Now that's the first time we're hearing that. So two planes and explosives that were in the building, is that correct? That is the working theory at this point. That is... It sounded like gunfire, you know, bang, 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 and then, and then all of a sudden, three big explosions. About 50 consecutive bangs, and it went, fell down like a waterfall. And we heard the noise uh, associated with an implosion. We heard a very loud blast, an explosion. We looked up, and the uh, building literally began to collapse before us. We heard a loud explosion, and at that point, building two was collapsing. At that point, we heard a large boom. Um, you know, I looked up and just saw the building coming at us. Do you, do you know if it was an explosion or if it was a building collapse? To me, it sounded like it, to me, it sounded like an explosion. There was another major explosion. The build, the building itself, literally the top of it, came down. All of a sudden, you hear explosion, and you could see the building starting to collapse. Huge explosion that we all heard and felt. We understand now there has been a secondary explosion on Tower 2. According to the Associated Press, another building that has either been attacked or exploded. The tower rather that has collapsed, and we are told, collapsed because of a third explosion. And about an hour later after that, there was a huge explosion at the base of the South Tower. That's the One World Trade Center, and part of the building collapsed. Uh, We could hear a rumble, which was uh, about five seconds long, preceding the actual collapse, and then a boom uh, when each of those towers collapsed. Uh, Just seconds ago, there was a huge explosion, and it appears right now the second World Trade Tower has just collapsed. I was about five blocks away when I I heard uh, explosions. And then you heard from far away, boom, boom, and you heard the boom, 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 boom. 
all by floor instead of popping out. It was like, it was if, if they had detonated. Yeah, detonated. They were planned yeah. to take down a building. Boom, 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 boom,
No, the top part blew up uh, in, in, uh, foot by foot and the rest of it uh, in the explosions, which eventually took out the remaining core columns. By the way, this is not turning to dust. Uh, it's being shaken and the dust, which was pulverized to a fine powder, has settled on this steel. And then after an explosion, you see the dust shaking off of it as it descends frame by frame in the video. It's not turning to dust. There is no steel dust in the World Trade Center that would have proven if the steel was somehow turning to dust. I'm only mentioning that because that's an alternative theory provided by some uh, ambitious, imaginative uh, uh, proponents of, of the directed energy weapons theory. Um, Richard, and, uh, how do you suppose that the explosives could have gotten into the World Trade Center, which had security guards and uh, security cameras 24 hours a day? Wouldn't someone have seen yeah, we do have uh, examples of an elevator modernization in the nine uh, months prior to the collapse of this, the destruction of this building. Uh, Ace Elevator had this contract and 85 see, of their employees. Ace Elevator, you see? Correct. Mm -hmm. 85 of their employees uh, fled the scene. They didn't help the firefighters uh, with the uh, uh uh, with the rescue of the victims, uh, not one of those uh, elevators uh, worked uh, after the initial uh, impact of the planes in the building. Wasn't Otis uh, Elevator the original elevator company? What, yeah, was, Otis Elevator Ace, had the contract. Kind of experience did Ace Elevator have to get such they, a big contract? They, they, they came from nowhere to get this contract from Otis Uh this is a very interesting story, which I d don't have the time to, to follow up on, unfortunately. But uh, others uh, have, and we're trying to get that material into the new video podcast that we're doing, uh, Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. Uh, so we have lots of experts uh, outside the traditional narrow scope of the World Trade Center explosive evidence that we ha had tried to stick with um, up until September when uh, I just realized that I'm kind of growing out of my narrow room and, um, and that created friction and now I'm alone. <laughs> That's the short story. So you were uh, not allowed to, you were allowed to talk about what happened, but not uh, investigate who may have done it. Well, that's true. Um, more to the point, um, I needed to venture out beyond the World Trade Center and beyond 9-11 and, and share with people uh, the deception uh, about COVID and the, and the, and the ensuing uh, uh, false solution to the false problem that's always created in a false flag event or operation uh, like 9-11 was and like the current disease going around. Uh, also is so some of that appears on my new website richardgage911.org but that's not the subject of this debate so i'll go on um so uh, the question look at it i mean is it a collapse or is it an explosion our eyes the eyes of a child can tell you what's going on here with upward outward arching streamers a geometry of fireworks freely flying uh, 
uh, solid objects trailed by thick white smoke clouds, which we'll get to. It's it's uh, something different. Um, what are we looking at? Uh, it's it's that not photo what we were told. That photo, yeah. I mean, look at uh, in the video of the Those photo when you steel really... beams ejected sideways, heavy beams. Well, some of those are very clearly heavy beams. Uh, most of them, I think, are aluminum cladding, which uh, confuses the issue. But uh, we can break that down. You know, is this a straight down symmetrical uh, destruction uh, outside the footprint? Well, we have the South Tower um, here, the first tower to collapse. Uh, completely symmetrical, straight down, all four sides, just like the firefighters described. Now, how does uh, a natural collapse produce this kind of of, of um, destruction? It, it makes no sense, especially when you zoom in on the lower corner here. What are we looking at? I see dozens of explosions in the lower corner, floor by floor. Mm-hmm. In this looped video. And we're told it's a gravitational collapse. Well, let's look at the overall destruction. The tower is only 200 feet wide, but the the destruction, uh, the debris is is thrown out over 1,200 feet in diameter uh, about each of these towers, uh, completely destroying uh, buildings all around it, including 600 feet away, the winter gardens, uh, which... Uh, suffer uh, the the bombs of these four and eight ton structural steel sections, as you see at the bottom inside the footprint uh, uh, of these buildings. We don't see much uh, steel. Uh, it's been distributed outward. Uh, the entire uh, World Trade Center site and beyond is filled with this this structure. Look at building seven uh, on the right, a nice, neat tower, Um, excuse me, a nice, neat pile uh, and a classic implosion Mm -hmm. like the old hotels in Las Vegas. That's that's not what's going on with the Twin Towers. It's a very explosive event. So it's very different. It didn't fall. The towers did not fall into their own footprints. They fell outside of their own footprints with ejections of building materials at the lower floors, as you can see in the, in the uh, towers uh, here, I mean, if this was a gravitational collapse, what would be causing these ejections 20, 40, even 60 stories down below the collapse of these buildings like there? What can you explain that? Um, most likely mistimed explosions. Um, NIST says, well, these are puffs of air being produced by that pile driver. Well, we saw, and we can see right here. That these are the squibs, driver. they say? Yeah, these are isolated explosive ejections in the controlled demolition industry called squibs. And these have to be explained uh, by physicists. Uh, the, the, the pile driver has been destroyed. There's no plunger pushing this down. It's open at the top at that point. Um, it's been pulverized with... With, with, with explosives, as we have seen and as we will be seeing more of. Um, so uh, NIST is caught with their pants down again and again, especially with this video of the destruction of the South Tower, even after it begins its descent. These explosives are 
being set off inside it, liquefying the structure, if you will, uh, with uh, dozens of squibs on the upper left, on the left side here. Uh, simultaneous destruction of the building. There's no reason for all of that destruction other than uh, pre-placed explosives, which are obviously not wired down to the ground because the wires would snap. This is obviously uh, 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 some sort of uh, wireless um, radio-controlled uh, uh, detonation uh, devices. And it couldn't be air pushing out as the floors are going down? Well, look at it. The floors aren't going down yet. I mean, there's some going down, down at the bottom, but that air pressure is not going to simultaneously extend itself to every floor on the left side here and go uh, out. Uh, all, all, all. And so this has to be explained by anybody we debate, as does the near free fall collapse of this building's uh, of this building. Let's look at it uh, on the left, and we see an animation on the right. Here's four minutes, excuse me, seconds. Here's six seconds. Here's eight seconds. That's how fast it's coming down. I mean, you, you got to get a sense of this. It's extraordinary. In a dozen seconds, both buildings have collapsed from top to bottom all the way down to the ground through what? Through 90 or in, in this case, 80,000 tons of structural steel beneath the point of jet plane impacts and the beginning of the collapse. More steel than glass on the facade of these exoskeleton buildings. Isn't it going to slow it down at all? No, it doesn't slow it down. It gets faster and faster and faster. And remember, steel columns have a minimum of 25% of their original capacity even after they're bending, NIST claims this, the columns buckled. Well, no, the columns didn't buckle. That's a different story. But even if they had, the building would have had to have slowed down uh, as it was buckling. And we Here's another. Is this when we cook with a steel pan that it doesn't collapse and buckle as we're cooking an egg? <laughs> um, is that a fair analogy? Uh, here's a here's a more fair analogy. Something of this kind is know. what we should have seen when the top section of the towers collapsed onto the lower one. The upper and lower sections should have mutually destroyed each other until all the energy is dissipated and the system comes to a rest. Alternatively, as shown in this experiment with two towers made of snow, the top section could have fallen off to the side after the initial collapse. What could not have happened is this. A little tiny chunk of the building can't possibly fall and crush the entire structure below it. This is such a simple, fundamental concept that architects and engineers were astonished in seeing it totally ignored by NIST. This is high school physics, and our whole society is being led to believe that these fundamental laws of physics, hard science, don't apply anymore. So we've got to have an explanation from anybody who's coming to debate the physics of this um, collapse uh, on, a, on a real scale uh, like is going on Something. here and like is is been submitted in the International Journal of Protective Structures uh, by Richard Johns, uh, Tony Zambodi, Gregory Zudlinski, and, and others. 
the, the physics itself uh, is, has been uh, peer reviewed. And in fact, uh, Rick, you and I took down to Noam Chomsky's office together. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you provided it. I- Collection of peer reviewed studies in recognized journals. Yeah. And, and independent we, of any 9 11 organization. Uh-huh. We took it to him because he was just denying, you know, the, mm-hmm. the truth about 9 11, just incredulous that we could even be raising the subject. And, and he said, well, where are your peer-reviewed studies? So Rick assembled them, 70 of them. Uh, this is in a binder this thick. And I took it down there and handed it to Noam Chomsky and got a picture with, with him with it in his hand. <laughs> so we put him to silence after that. Did he, did he smile for the camera? Yeah, he did. actually smiled. Oh, man. I, I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm glad to have gotten that shot. There it is. You found it. Uh, Noam Chomsky, is he smiling? Uh, I don't know if I'd call that a smile. <laughs> I'm smiling. More of a grimace, maybe a very, very tiny little grimace. I guess I'm holding it too. It's been quite a number of years. No, you can see it. Anyway, you're, you're smiling. Pretty, pretty thick. He took it. He kept it. There's Rick. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, very uh-huh. good. Dr. Chomsky is the most cited scientist in the world with a Hirsch index of 183. Back to you. So. We have the total shattering of the structural steel frame. That's what the NFPA 921 Guide for Fire and Explosion Investigations says to look for. Uh, it's the accepted authority for uh, in the field of fire and explosion investigation, the National Fire Protection Association. NIST helped write this. So what do they say? Uh, look for shrapnel effects. All right, so what we've got is... Uh, the complete shattering of the structural steel framing down to the ground. This is high order damage characterized by the shattering of the structure, producing a small pulverized debris with gr- building with the building completely demolished. This is what explosions do to buildings. This is what the NFPA says to look for. Didn't this look for this? I don't think so. Uh, they completely overlooked it. In fact, uh, with, um, shrapnel effects everywhere uh it's it's amazing the completely complete the building completely shattered the steel frame uh, to its original 37 and a half foot lengths so th- th- let's look and see if there's any lateral ejection out of this because the nfpa says also look for blast pressure wave effects with heavy structural steel pieces freely flying well that's of course what we have impaling the skyscrapers and the winter gardens all around with these freely flying structural steel sections they should have gone down right gravity works how down so we have to explain this Mm -hmm. what caused the outward ejection of this particular uh a four-ton structural steel section ejected laterally. Now, it's not a, like a banana peeling. This, this is a freely flying object, by the way, trailing thick white smoke clouds, which we will come to when we get uh, to the extreme heat. But for now, if 100,000 tons of structural steel framing is distributed outside the footprint, because we only have a two-story pile of of core columns and so forth. Two stories out of 110. (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, What's crushing the building? 
This steel structure represents about a third of the weight of the building. So what's crushing the building if it's not the steel? Because it's outside the footprint. Well, maybe it's the concrete. Let's go look. Because what happens to the concrete? We're looking for concrete. We're looking for pancakes. In a real uh, progressive collapse, a pancaking collapse, we have pancakes like this mm -hmm. earthquake damaged building in uh, Mexico. So, but at the, at this, at the steel, at the twin towers, we're not, we don't see pancakes, only a two story pile of, of twisted uh, and miscellaneous steel. There's 110 <laughs> floors. Each of them were an acre in size. <sighs> Where did they go? They go. They're they're missing. Oh, here's where they went. They were pulverized to a fine powder in midair. Now, all the photos and videos show just that. 90,000 tons of concrete pulverized to 100 micron particles like baby powder. And that's what was spread from river to river across lower Manhattan in a three square mile area, three inches thick. It's incredible. That is the powder. It's not under the building. It didn't fall down with the building. 30% in many of these samples was concrete. 30% of the powder is concrete. How did it get all the way over there? What do the governors say about this? And you see, and there's no concrete. There's very little concrete. All you see is aluminum and steel. What happened to the concrete? The concrete was pulverized. And I was down here Tuesday, and it was like you were on a foreign planet. All of lower Manhattan, not just this site, from river to river, there was dust powder two, three inches thick. The concrete was just uh, pulverized. You have two 110-story office buildings. You don't find a desk. You don't find a chair. You don't find a telephone, a computer. The biggest piece of a telephone I found was half of the keypad, and it was about this big. The building collapsed to dust. What I expected to see was nothing like what I actually did see at the time of my arrival uh, at the site. Uh, there wasn't much that you could say you could describe everything was uh, everything was dust and metal. There was there was no typewriters. There was no chairs. There was no there was no nothing. Well, gosh, um, what happened to it? Uh, by the way, if if ninety thousand tons of concrete is pulverized, how could that happen and spread over three square miles? What's crushing the building? It wasn't the steel. Here's another third of the weight of this building. Together, two-thirds the weight of this building, concrete and steel, is not available to crush the building. And yet all the physicists from NIST and so forth uh, use this weight as a mechanism for the crushing of the building. Couldn't ever, didn't happen, couldn't ever happen. So this is the another key question that physicists and structural engineers will need to answer uh, when they arrive here at the annual physics debate. So it wasn't from fires. This is all direct evidence of destruction with explosives.
Uh, fire doesn't create this kind of evidence. Uh, what do the experts say? Well, here's one of 100 structural engineers again. Sign on to the petition over at AE911 Truth. Uh, William Rice, uh, the prevailing theory would have us believe that each of the Twin Towers inexplicably collapsed upon itself, crushing 287 massive columns on each floor while maintaining a near freefall acceleration. As if the 80,000 or more tons of supporting structural framework underneath didn't even exist. Near free, near freefall collapse violates laws of physics, says Davis Scott, <clears throat> structural engineer. Scott Granger, fire protection engineer. All three collapses were very uniform in nature. Natural collapses due to unplanned events are not uniform. That's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. What about the pyroclastic like clouds? If we get into the extreme heat, we have to go back to NFPA 921, the Guide for Fire and Explosion Investigation, which says look for thermal effects. What? Large volumes of gas and the large amount of heat released in chemical explosions causing rapidly expanding plumes of hot gases. Do we have that? Yeah. Every one of the photos shows just that released from the towers, expanding these clouds of gases uh, 10 times the volume of the building in just 30 seconds. What can cause this? Covering lower Manhattan with uh, the suspended uh, concrete powder in these clouds. Uh, Did these fires cause all of that heat? Well, no, they're, the thick black smoke indicates that these are oxygen-starved fires. They're cooler. Uh, we're looking for a lot more heat than this, something on the order of this. And we find it as we look for the evidence. Let's go to Massimo Mazzucco's 9-11 New Pearl Harbor for a clue. Possibly the most important unexplained phenomenon at Ground Zero are the extremely high temperatures registered under the rubble for many weeks after the collapses. On September 16, NASA shot these thermographic images of Ground Zero, indicating unusually high temperatures at the base of the three collapsed buildings. Despite the heavy rains of September 14th, the hotspots registered peak temperatures of more than 1300 degrees under the rubble. Ten days later, the fires kept burning. What's to explain, Governor, the smoke that still comes out There's of the still, fire? There's still fire down below. There is such an incredibly deep pile of rubble, and the, the tower goes down five, six stories underground. But we had uh, ABC uh, crews come back just in the last few minutes and telling us there are still flames coming out of the base of the trade towers. For the rescue workers, this became an additional burden on their already gruesome task. Out, still on the rubble, it's still, uh, I believe, 1,100 degrees. The guy's boots just melt within a few hours. On October 8th, the hotspots under the three collapsed buildings remained clearly visible. Six weeks later, as the excavations progressed, the situation seemed only to get worse. Oh, it's unbelievable. And this is six weeks later, almost six weeks later. And as we get closer to the center of this, it gets hotter and hotter. It's probably 1,500 degrees. We've had some small windows into um, 
what we thought was a quartz on point, and it looked like a uh, an oven. You know, it was just roaring inside. And it was just a bright, bright reddish orange color. The consequences of such extreme temperatures were quite visible on the steel that was being extracted from the rubble. Where the grapplers were, were pulling stuff out, uh, big sections of iron that were literally on fire on the other end. They would hit the air and burst into flames, which was uh, pretty spooky to see. You would create an air pocket by moving steel, fueling the fires underground. But, you know, these underground fires were just uh, like the fires of hell. If you could make a video of what you perceive hell to look like from fire shooting up at times, that's what would happen. You would be in the middle of what would look like steel, and then fire just would pop up. Firemen were coming out and iron workers with their boots literally melted. And then the hose would come over and they would try to put that part out. I got there. Charlie Vichers was a supervisor of removal operations at Ground Zero. From PBS's America Rebuilds page, we read, Vichers' crew picked up 40 to 60 foot long pieces of steel impaled in the pile, where the bottom 20 feet would be glowing red hot. Vichers said, trucks loaded with steel would pass by and you could feel the back of your neck burning standing 20 feet away. In an article called A Dangerous Worksite, the U.S. Department of Labor wrote, underground fires burned at temperatures of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This was confirmed by Mayor Giuliani. There were fires of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit below the ground. The Journal of the American Society of Safety Engineers wrote, Thermal measurements taken by helicopter each day showed underground temperatures ranging from 400 to more than 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Eight weeks later, and the fires still had not subsided. You see how this debris is still smoking? That's when the fires that are still burning. Eight weeks later, we still got fires burning. So, I mean, these things are burning. At one point, I think they were about 2,800 degrees. Eleven weeks later, and the fires kept burning. As recently as the end of November, it was still 1,100 degrees down underneath the rubble. As November turned into December, ice was noticed in the mornings above the ground, but the debris underneath was still smoldering. The weird thing was it was very cold when we were up there. I believe it was, it was in the middle of the winter, but the ground wasn't frozen. The ground kind of like bubbled underneath your feet, which was kind of strange to me. It took until December 19, more than three months after the collapses, for the last underground fire to be extinguished. This is extraordinary, guys, because we have evidence of liquid molten iron, um, and as it turns out to be, they called it steel, a river of steel flowing. Says who? The World Trade Center structural engineer himself, Leslie Robertson. Is he a credible witness? A river of steel flowing he saw with his own eyes his associate richard garlock says the debris past the columns was red hot molten running molten metal pouring out of the south tower minutes prior to its collapse we know this is steel or iron uh because of the the color of it uh uh, because nist says oh that must have been melted airplane well molten aluminum is not glowing bright yellow and white hot uh, it's silvery in daylight conditions. So they're, they're, they're shown to be lying here. And, and anybody we debate needs to answer that. And this, how concrete melted. 3,200 degrees it takes to melt concrete. That's extraordinary. It, it's 
it's formed itself around this handgun in building six, interestingly, uh, at the World Trade Center, uh, flowing molten concrete. So the fire temperature is so intense that concrete melted like lava around everything in its path. It's in the police museum in Manhattan today. You can go and look at it. This is not conspiracy theory. This is factual. Guess what? Office fires don't burn a third of these temperatures. What is going on to create this? That's why we're looking at this so carefully, all of this evidence of molten materials and steel beams in the debris pile that appear to have been partly evaporated in extraordinarily high temperatures, says Dr. Jonathan Barnett of the FEMA team. Now, steel doesn't evaporate until you get 4,000 degree temperatures, four times the temperatures associated with normal office fires or jet fuel. So this is completely uh, censored uh, by NIST, by the media, by the government, by the 9-11 Commission report, all of this evidence that we're looking at here. Uh, Structural engineer Abel Hazan Astani Azel, who has a National Science Foundation grant to study the steel documents that he saw melting of girders, not even realizing what it means. He says, well, gosh, whatever happened down in the pile uh, is not my business. Well, interestingly, he says, if you remember the Salvador Dali paintings, the clocks are kind of melted. That could only happen if you get steel yellow hot or white hot, perhaps around 2000 degrees. Well, this is what has been documented in uh Massimo Mazzucco's excellent film, 9-11 New Pearl Harbor. Another proof of extremely high temperatures reached during the collapse are the twisted and mangled steel beams found at Ground Zero. Architects, engineers, people who work with steel, welders have just never seen the level of destruction and the level of deformation of this material in our lives. You saw steel, some of the thickest steel I've ever seen, bent like a pretzel. This eight-ton steel I-beam is six inches thick. It was selected to be preserved for future generations for the near-perfect horseshoe-like bend formed during the collapse. I found it hard to believe that it actually bent because of the size of it and how there's no cracks in the iron. It bent without almost a single crack in it. It takes thousands of degrees to bend steel like this. In fact, the temperature of 2,800 degrees mentioned before is not casual at all as that's exactly the temperature at which steel melts. Interesting. Well, uh, Abelhazen Astani Oswald documents the melting of the steel girders, in this case, from World Trade Center 7 Steel. He says, I saw melting of girders at the World Trade Center. Uh, so uh, this is pretty darn interesting because FEMA themselves uh, reports this in a metallurgical examination which was included in the original 2002 Building Performance Assessment Team report. This is the FEMA report. Their final report includes a detailed metallurgical examination of the steel. What do they find? Never before observed eutectic reactions, intergranular melting, capable of turning a solid steel girder into Swiss cheese, like you see here from this piece of World Trade Center 7 steel. This is amazing because silver dollar-like size holes, this doesn't happen as a result of office fires or jet fuel fires. Uh, rapid oxidation, sulfidation, liquid iron, 
sulfur formed during this hot corrosion attack on the steel. What in the world can do this? This, ha- this is physics. This has to be answered by anybody who shows up at the debate. We have uh, a, a real problem here, docu- documented, um, uh, highlighted by the New York Times, perhaps the deepest mystery uh, in uncovered in the investigation. Uh, well, okay, but didn't this, what did they do when they took over this investigation in 2002? They threw it out. It's not a part of the NIST uh, report at all. It documents uh, one-inch column thinned to almost razor sharpness, reduced to half of its thickness. This is the hot corrosion attack on the steel by sulfur. Well, how do we account for this? It's not jet fuel. Jet fuel burns at 600 degrees Fahrenheit max in open air, according to ME Petroleum, its manufacturer. (laughs) So this has to be answered. We need answers to these questions, not just platitudes and hand-waving and name-calling with ad hominem attacks, calling us conspiracy theorists. This is actual evidence. We know by the color Mm -hmm. of the material dripping out of the jaws of this excavator what its temperature is. It's 2,500 degrees. That is clear. That's physics. That's irrefutable. It has to be answered. How do those temperatures get there? Rick? No. That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, it's extraordinary. And um, so what caused the steel to melt? Well, let's, let's go find out what some sources that could be an answer to the question, because it's a mystery at this point, right? So could thermite have produced all that molten metal? Well, what is thermite anyway? An incendiary used by the military? Thermite is a compound of iron oxide and aluminum, which when ignited sustains an extreme heat reaction, creating molten iron. In just two seconds, thermite can reach temperatures over 4,500 degrees Fahrenheit, quite enough to liquefy steel. We know that open-air fires cannot burn hot enough to melt steel, but metal had melted at the base of the towers. Appendix C of the FEMA report describes sulfur residues on the World Trade Center steel. The New York Times called this the deepest mystery of all. Sulfur slightly lowers the melting point of iron, and iron oxide and iron sulfide had formed on the surface of the structural steel. Sulfur used with thermite is called thermate, producing even faster results. Maybe we're getting somewhere here because if thermite were used, it would explain a lot of things. And there was an investigation. Well, it would explain uh, the presence of sulfur, which is added to thermite to become thermate. So, that's where the sulfur might have come from. The biggest, deepest mystery, according to the New York Times, is the presence of sulfur um, uh, attack on the steel. It, it would also explain the extremely high temperatures because thermite creates 4,000 degree temperatures uh, Fahrenheit and, 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 and nothing else. The jet fuel, the fires can't possibly explain even uh, a third uh, of those temperatures. Um, and it would also explain the presence of elemental iron. Iron is one of the ingredients. Iron oxide 
uh, one of the ingredients of thermite. So the, we'll be looking at a lot of, of, of evidence of elemental iron in a moment. So Stephen Jones uh, in particular says that there's unusual residues that could arise from thermite like magnesium or pyrotechnic materials. Um, uh, he doesn't say that he looks to NFPA and they say, look for that. Well, NIST says they uh, uh, found no corroborating evidence to suggest that explosives were used. But a year later, they acknowledge in writing, NIST did not test for the presence of explosive residue. You won't find what you're unwilling to look for. Mm -hmm. Kevin? Yeah. And Stephen Jones was in this debate in 2017. Oh. Okay, uh, that's a that's an important uh, point. Also, so you know, any one of us uh, would be willing to 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 debate these guys. Others found it. By the way, it wasn't that hard to find. Stephen Jones is, in fact, one of them. He's a nuclear physicist, formerly from Brigham Young University. He does tests on the steel. Well, first he says, "Gosh, if it was thermite, you'd expect a a characteristic burn pattern—a white, yellow, hot liquid metal." like we see pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse. He says you'd also look for a whitish cloud of aluminum oxide ash, like you also see rising out of the top of this liquid metal pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse. And like you see trailing these freely flying structural steel sections. Wait a minute. Structural steel is not flammable under office fire conditions or jet fuel. Hmm. What is burning the ends of these beams so intensely that it's creating like, like a rocket following it? That's an important question that anybody showing up at this debate needs to answer as, as, as this, uh, the, the, what we, what we have trailing freely flying solid objects with thick white smoke clouds is extreme heat. That's unanswerable in office fires, more like the volcanic eruption in the Tongan sea in 2009. Hmm. That's the kind of heat that creates this phenomena. And both towers are the same, uh, identical structures and mm -hmm. identical uh, collapses. Uh, so we're not going to be discriminatory. What happened to one of them happened to the other. Steel beams on fire? The grapplers were, were pulling stuff out, um, big sections of iron that were literally on fire on the other end. They would hit the air and burst into flames. Interesting. Well, uh, he says, uh, Stephen Jones, uh, well, it would leave behind unique chemical evidence. Uh, common elements such as iron, aluminum, copper, calcium, silicon. Also unusual elements like fluorine and manganese left behind interestingly um and that's what's found uh and we'll get to that uh in our extended uh session but you can make thermite in your own backyard john cole did it he's a civil engineer but you don't have to be an engineer to do this shaped cutter charges you can do it yourself and uh what he found was that yeah it'll cut cleanly through steel uh and and with thinned like a razor sharpness, which cuts a carrot, for instance, like you see, like they documented uh, in the FEMA report 
that NIST uh, omitted from their final report. So, in fact, there were devices that used thermite to cut steel um, much more efficiently, in fact, than traditional shaped cutter charges that use high energy explosives like C4 and RDX. Uh, they can, these can cut through much thicker sections of steel in milliseconds, uh, issuing uh, streams of molten iron in hundreds of milliseconds. Very, very efficient. Um, and there are devices who, whose casings themselves in these similar devices uses consolidated consumable thermite, which means that there'd be nothing left behind but molten iron. So you don't have to go finding all these uh, case, case, cases of these devices. No well, that's interesting, I think. Um, do you have a comment? Yeah, that destroys itself as criminal. Yeah, it's very interesting. And that's what they found all over the place, pools of molten iron. Well, what else was found, though, at the site in the actual dust? The U.S. Geological Survey, not conspiracy theorists. But the USGS analyzes in their 2005 report on the dust, and they find billions of what? Previously molten iron microspheres. They don't know where they came from. They document them very well. They're found everywhere. Up to 6% of some of these samples were previously molten iron microspheres. We'll break that down. Hmm. But the estimates by scientists amount to up to four tons of this material altogether. That's incredible. On the right, previously molten iron microspheres. On the left, common office building dust. It's not spherical. Uh, we'll talk about how it gets to be spherical, but it's found also by R.J. Lee Group, uh, an international firm also doing studies on the dust, found that these are formed during the event, not before by the welders putting the building together, not afterward by the iron workers taking the building apart, but during the actual event. Well, that's very interesting. There's so many of them that they're used to distinguish common office dust uh, from the World Trade Center dust. That's the signature component. Molten iron microspheres. Well, how are they formed? Here is a controlled experiment with a small amount of thermite. Let's see what happens. Okay, so what happens is uh, <clears throat> they looks like thousands of sparks, but they cool and they fall into the pan uh, and, and uh, in the form of molten iron microspheres, and they cool off then. <laughs> Why? Well, when you atomize liquid, it becomes spherical. You sneeze, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you have molten iron in explosive conditions, that's what happens. Could that explain the toasting of the tops of these cars in this very high heat event? Some say this is not a high heat event. Well, that defies the witnesses, it defies the evidence we've seen so far, it defies the toasting of the tops of these cars. What else was found in the World Trade Center dust, though? I mean, this is extraordinary. Uh, all this dust is evidence. Well, it was collected independently. Seven 
of these collections and sent to this team of eight international scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen. And what do they find? Small red-gray chips, about a sixteenth of an inch large, the, the largest of them. Uh, they, they thought they were paint, but they're attracted to a magnet. So they get real curious. This has a high iron content, therefore. So um, we have, uh, interestingly, um, uh, an, an analysis by Stephen Jones first. Uh, well, the whole team. Uh, Stephen Jones was part of it. Uh, does X-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy and finds what in the red layer? Iron. Interesting. Iron is one of the components of thermite. They find also aluminum, the other component of thermite. This is not paint. They zoom in to the red layer with an electron microscope 50,000 times and find what? Iron oxide crystals, which is the component of thermite, and aluminum platelets at the nanoscale, a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. What is nanoparticles of thermite doing in this material? Well, it's set in a matrix, uh, uh, organic matrix, of uh, oxygen, silica, carbon. Organic material is what is added to TNT to in- vastly increase gas expansion, which knocks things over. Normally, incendiaries work by means of heat, which destroys things, therefore, that way. So uh, here we have something that seems to be combining the two. Well, the studies shown at Lawrence Livermore Lab and other places show that when you take super thermite, is what they call it, and you ignite it at 420 degrees uh, centigrade, about 750 Celsius, excuse me, Fahrenheit, 750 Fahrenheit, they ignite. Well, that's exactly what these chips did that they were studying. They ignite. And what do they produce when they ignite? Uh, molten iron microspheres with the same chemical signature as the molten iron microspheres documented by the U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee. Mm-hmm. So we know where those molten iron microspheres came from. They came from these chips, as if we didn't know. So this is a self-corroborating set of repeatable experimental data that physicists attending this debate are going to have to answer point by point by point. Again, not just hand wave, not just ad hominem attacks of conspiracy theory, but address real issues here that is scientific forensic evidence. We know where these spheres came from because they are found attached to partially ignited red-gray chips, as you see here and here. So this is, by the way, a very interesting material when you get this size so small of these ingredients, uh, aluminum and iron oxide, you have uh, a vast exponential increase in the surface volume, which means almost instantaneous chemical reaction, which means much more explosive. It's not made in a cave in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, if we want to pursue the perpetrators, the real perpetrators of 9-11, uh, this is one uh, target uh, for just that. Because the, pe- the paper finds, the peer-reviewed paper in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal finds that the red layer is active, unreacted thermitic material, not paint. Mm-hmm. 
This is irrefutable. This has been unchallenged since 2009 when it was submitted in, in a peer-reviewed sense. Uh, people wave their hands and say, oh, this is paint. Well, I've just proven to you, and I'm not even a scientist, that it's not paint. So it's a real problem for the official story. And the unreacted, they mean the unexploded yet uh, material. Yeah, this is the therm- nanothermite before it's been ignited. So apparently a whole lot of it, up to four tons again, is unignited. That means there's four tons of unignited material by extrapolation in all the, the World Trade Center dust. And there's evidence of ignited nanothermite in the form of all of four more tons or so of uh, previously molten iron microspheres. That's eight tons altogether right there. This is a lot of stuff with which would have been had to have been brought into the World Trade Center towers under the watchful eye of the security company. Well, we need an investigation into that security company, which is um, run by uh, uh, close insiders uh, uh, to the Bush administration. Very close. Uh, but that's another subject that is not a part of this debate. So somebody else can debate that one. But wouldn't you expect in the worst structural failures in modern history that the evidence would be preserved? Nope. It all went to the melting pot to China for recycling. Prompting Bill Manning, editor-in-chief of Fire Engineering Magazine, uh, the communications vehicle, to cry out, but the, the communications vehicle for fire protection engineers across the country and around the world, he cries out, crucial evidence that can answer many questions is on the slow boat to China, showing an astounding ignorance of government officials to the value of a thorough scientific investigation. The destruction and removal of evidence must stop immediately. But it wasn't in easily the largest and most perplexing structural failures in history. We have 400 truck, truckloads uh, moved out um, per day. Uh, this is the illegal destruction of evidence in a crime scene. It was put on barges, shipped to China for recycling. We got to get some reality here. And that has to be explained also, maybe not by physicists in this case, uh, but by officials who seek to justify the official narrative that these buildings came down due to fire. We've proven that that's not the case because we have the first, uh, well, we have 10 key characteristic features of controlled demolition and some very uncharacteristic features in the Twin Towers as well with the extreme heat. Uh, Apparently they wanted to avoid the obvious audio and visual signatures of high energy explosives like C4 and RDX, which we heard Sham Sunder earlier referring to as not happening. Well, it would be a much softer um, uh, ignition of incendiaries than, than bang, bang. But even those were heard by the uh, witnesses, uh, even though we have incendiaries at work here, probably in addition to high-energy explosives, uh, most of us agree on in the 9-11 Truth Movement, uh, with additional circumstantial corroborative testimony. Uh, this is uh, to what many uh, see as proof of controlled demolition, proof to more than 3,500 architects and engineers signed on to the petition. That is why we have so many people showing up to the petition. And we want to make sure that 
you can see the evidence that you missed today over at our website, which is richardgage911.org. And uh, you can sign up on our email list as well, uh, which will put us in touch. And, and uh, I, I've got more evidence coming out every day. I've got presentations of this mm. evidence, not every day, but you know, on a monthly basis or so. Um, we want you to keep informed over at our website. We want you to get the brochures, uh, which you can do over at AE911 Truth. Uh, we want you to take action also based on all of this evidence and um, familiarize yourself with it, uh, with the many videos of presentations, documentaries, presentations, interviews, street activism that we do, the new film we're making, 9-11 crime scene to courtroom. Uh, we're taking this evidence and we're taking it and filming it in the courtroom with Mick Harrison, the litigation director of Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry which I'm on the board of now. So we're partnering to make this film uh, produced by uh, Christina Borges, an Emmy award-winning investigative journalist and filmmaker. We're about to start uh, uh, getting this film on after we uh, get, get uh, our, our, our Pentagon evidence uh, together, uh, which is this Saturday, March 19th. Find it at our website, richardgage911.org. And figure out uh, for yourself, what is the truth about 9-11? Have I been listening to CNN to get my truth? Um, uh, no, you, you, this is not where you're going to find truth. This is where they lied from the beginning of 9-11. This is where they lied from the beginning of the JFK assassination. This is where they're still lying to you about uh, the current disease going around and its false solution. Somewhere, you have to draw your line in the sand. You don't want to be like everybody else and just say, this is somebody else's problem. Uh, I'll trust uh, our local, our, our national media, our government. We've proven a time and time and again, and the truth tellers of uh, COVID are also proving uh, that you cannot get trusted information there. So you need to speak the truth because this time comes when our silence is betrayal. Uh, so don't be like them. Don't be the last to know. Don't let your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues be the last to know either. Tell them we've got to do something. And this debate is a great start because hopefully it'll bring attention to the subject, especially when we do get those who will follow up, who will show up at the debate and present uh, or try to refute the evidence that you've just been looking at. It's a tough challenge for them. And that's, I think, why they're not showing up. So that means you have to go and find them and bring them this information along with everybody else, you know, every architect and engineer you can find. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Knowledge Thank you, Richard. is for action and the actions for results. So hopefully this debate has inspired some physicists and professors and civil engineers to get more involved and professors uh, may wish to discuss this with their students and students, mm. the young people may, may be more receptive, you know, less emotionally attached to the time that we experienced around 2001 to analyze this scientifically and objectively and get the new investigation, an official one, finally done.
and bring the perfect Okay. Well, perfect. thank you, uh, Rick. And thank you, Richard. And I do hope that we will actually find somebody who dares to defend the official story, but now I can understand uh, why we can't. <laughs> That's <laughs> fact, I've understood this for several years, uh, partly thanks to you, Richard, and your extremely uh, thorough presentations. So uh, I guess uh, the challenge is out there. And if we this video reaches anybody who still believes the official story or has problems with part of what you've seen, please do contact us and we will see if we can arrange some kind of uh, actual debate. Uh, if we can find somebody to hold up the other side. Uh, my website is truthjihad.com and people could go there to find out to contact me. All right. Well, thanks, Richard. Thanks, Rick. Uh, good luck to both of you. Keep up the great work. Maybe see you next year at a real debate. <laughs> yeah. Take care. We would love to be there. Thank you guys for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you.